We're recording on Gadigal land and we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and pay our respects to their culture and elders. I'm Karina May. And I'm Claire Fletcher. And we love rom-coms. They're our favourite kind of love stories. We love reading and watching rom-coms so much we started writing our own. And we're always chasing that rom-com feeling. You know the one. The warm and fuzzy one. And we might not be experts, but by God, we're enthusiastic. And today we're enthusiastic about the holidays. <sighs> Who is down mode, I think for most people, hopefully taking a break of some type. Mm. So the house has been trimmed, the carols might be on, the cookies baking in the oven. My sister loves a Christmas candle, gets a new one each year, a little fragrant. Uh, like cinnamon. The scent of Christmas. The best Christmas I've had in recent years was in Montreal in Canada because it was snowing and we had this Airbnb and decked it out. And I still have Christmas candles from that Christmas, which I've just remembered that I should pull out and light because I think it will transport me straight back there. And the way reading does, scent really does that, hey. Does Christmas in Canada just sound like Michael Bublé? Because I know like this, the season has begun when my sister puts the boobs on. Yeah, the boobs was a big part of Christmas in Canada, in Montreal. Um, but we are going to, just to let you know how things are going to run around here for the next next little while, while we're at the beach. Claire, I don't know if you've got huge holiday plans. Mate, I'm going to be in Queensland when this goes to air, doing oh, nice. a few little love match events before Christmas. Oh, nice. Having Digging a very hot, sweltering pre-Christmas with my family in the George. Oh, that's nice. Well, will you have time to watch any Christmas films while you're there? Read any Christmas novels? Because I have... Um, you have homework of, for me too? I do, I do. So we'll be coming back um, with some bonus episodes. So this, I don't know, Claire, does this episode officially mark the end of season one of that rom-com pod with some upcoming bonus episodes? Yeah, I think maybe our Christmas bonus rounds out the season and then I think our plan is to drop a little summer reading special in January just to make sure that you don't run out of things to keep you busy by the pool or on the beach or wherever you are. So for our Christmas special, we thought that it would be really fun if we all watched the same Christmas movies and even potentially read the same Christmas novels and came back together to chat about it. So I'm probably the Christmas movie representative here. I think there's one in every city. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're definitely the expert. I know we're going to dig in a little more to the uh, Hallmark Christmas movie industry later on. But if I was to prescribe a Christmas movie for you, Claire, and for our listenership, <laughs> our band of merry that rom-com potters, it would probably be of the Hallmark variety. But Hallmarks, unfortunately, in Australia, assuming that's where you are located, hello to our international <laughs> listeners, they're a bit hard to come by. So my very favourite Christmas movie, The Spirit of Christmas, which is about someone falling in love with the ghost of Christmas. Oh, nice. Very believable, very hot ghost, is unfortunately not available unless you were to do things that were less than legal. Um, Not something we condone. No. So 
to represent the hallmark contingent of the Christmas <laughs> movies, I have chosen a spectacular film called Window Wonderland, which came out in 2013 and it is available on Amazon Prime. So Claire will be watching that for the first time and I will be re-watching it for eh, maybe the, the 12th time. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's go with that for the 12 days of Christmas. Um, but we also are aware that not everyone might have Amazon Prime. So we wanted to also pick a more current Christmas movie, um, assuming that most people have access to Netflix or can definitely get a login for that and thought that we would also chat about in our Christmas special Falling for Christmas which came out in 2022. Um, Classic uh, Lindsay Lohan head injury amnesia type story am I right? That's exactly right and I will say Netflix has definitely come to the table in recent years with their Christmas movies, some of higher quality than others. This is what I would say, considering, you know, we do have a well-known star, um, <laughs> a top quality Christmas movie. So that's what we will be chatting about in our Christmas special. And then our read, Claire, that I have prescribed. So you have selected One Day in December by Josie Silver as mm. our Christmas book club Read. So that's a new one to me. I'll be seeking that out. Do you want to give us a little um, primer on, on what that's about? Yeah, I mean, this is a book that I know a few authors, actually, Kanina May, my name twin, <laughs> also reads um, regularly at Christmas time. I don't read it every year, but I definitely, for those cosy comfort um, holiday feels, pick it up. And it's like a star-crossed lovers trope, I would say. Girl on the bus, uh, has love at first sight with a guy at a bus stop and then the bus drives on and it's Christmas time and it's, yeah, it's a foggy window and it's snowy. Yeah, I think I might leave it there and leave everything else for a surprise. How fun. So we would love to include uh, your thoughts, your feelings, your hot takes, your viewing experience on either of the Christmas movies or your Christmas book, our Christmas book. So feel free to hit us up on Instagram, DM messages. We love a voice message that we might include in a podcast um, or even just written format. So have I done an okay job of the homework, setting the homework? I think you have. I think the only other thing people might want to send us is um, we thought we could do some recommendations as part of our Christmas bonus and our summer reading episodes. So if you've got someone who is maybe difficult to buy for or you'd like a recommendation of a great rom-com you could give someone for Christmas. Give us some specifics and we'll try to come up with a prescription. Uh, or if you've got a great summer holiday coming up, give us a location uh, or vibes that you're looking for and we'll try to make some good recs for you. So everyone has the opportunity to be a little Christmas book elf. Yeah. Because we get so many recommendations on social media. You guys are all well read mm. and have some great recommendations. So now's the time in the gift of giving season <laughs> to, to give back. <laughs> A holiday episode? What could be our trope of the, of the episode? <laughs> it's holiday trope. It's not. I don't know. And I suppose 
we're going to be mostly talking about Christmas because that is the major holiday that we celebrate here in Australia. But I think it's good to mention up the top that obviously there are lots of different holidays that people celebrate at this time of year, and especially, you know, the Americans take it very seriously. They kind of go straight from Halloween into Thanksgiving um, and then Christmas. But of course, you know, people from different faiths celebrate holidays like Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, there's all kinds of things going on and there are stories for all of those things, but because there is an embarrassment of riches around Christmas, that's going to be our focus today. Mm. And we have mentioned the Love on Campus uh, podcast quite a few times on mm. our podcast, but they uh, dropped recently a holiday or Christmas episode and I think are doing a whole month of Christmas um, or holidays, which is amazing. And I learnt listening to their podcast today that most religions have some type of holiday around this time of year. So I think you can feel the festiveness or the coming together of community in the air. Oh, yes, the pagan tradition of mm. Christmas. Mm. Well, the pagan tradition of whatever people were celebrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting warm together in the snow. Again, they're the academics. So, I mean, you can learn a lot about where Christmas came from, which is not from Christianity, I learned. Um, <laughs> so, yes, tune into that for that. Uh, but in terms of text, <laughs> that's what we're going to explore today. Again, look, I will just touch on the Hallmark season and then we can move on, Claire, with our lives because... Oh, I'm here to learn, Karina. I mean, I've been, I understand that you have a spreadsheet. That's how dedicated you are to Hallmark Christmas movies. So yeah. lay it on me. So I have a couple of friends, um, I don't even know, it might have been someone's bad breakup that we started to get really into Christmas movies and Christmas season, um, starting definitely beginning of November, at least running two months. We have matching t-shirts, part of the, <laughs> the Christmas movie fan club. We have updated those Christmas movies, um, so we have a real tradition and celebration of getting together and watching as many as we can. And probably for the last five years or so, we have had a running Google Doc spreadsheet where we first off catalogue what piques our interest um, when, they, when they release um, the upcoming program. Because they drop like a vast quantity every year, right? Yeah. So I think they start dropping end of October and all the way up to yeah Christmas and beyond. It's like um, as soon as Halloween is over, all mm, bets are off. Mm. So we have a spreadsheet with different categories. So there's to understand the Hallmark ecosystem. Uh, so there's your regulars. So there's some movies that we choose to watch just based off. The and this is stars you're talking about? Stars, yeah. Are there any like, you know, returning uh, Christmas auteurs, you know, directors or writers that you come back to? Or Clay, you would think me being a writer myself, I would be more aware of who <laughs> actually creates these things. But it, uh, by the time I come in... Um, you don't think about how no. the Christmas sausage is made. <laughs> I am not thinking. You're just there for the sizzle, baby. <laughs> I am the sizzle. Luke McFarlane, an amazing sizzle. Um, oh. Yeah, so he's actually also in um, Single All The Way, which is more of a, I would say, commercial Christmas movie, less hallmarky. Wait, is he the hot gym guy? Yes, yes. So we will we will rank if we want to watch it based off of how well we know the stars, how much charisma we know they bring on screen. There's some regulars that we don't really understand why they get a call up all the time. Maybe they've signed a, a 10 Hallmark 
a movie contract. I don't know. <laughs> um, Jesse Metcalf. Uh, so <gasps> passions. Oh, yeah, passions. Did you watch Passions? Oh my god. Did I watch Passions? I have not thought about that for so long. Oh, I, I think about it probably more than is healthy. Mm, I yeah. think it was our Bold and the Beautiful, like, for me. Yeah, but, I mean, the Bold and the Beautiful had some pretty ludicrous plot lines, but it never had a centuries-old witch and her little doll, Timmy, who would turn into her a real doll, boy. little Timmy. <laughs> who would drink Martimmy's. <laughs> Yeah, too much. I mean, passions, passions was next level. It was next level. It was like a soap opera with like magical, magical. elements. Because I love Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which came, I think, later. That was more because my younger sister was into that. But I think I just loved combining, yeah, those two genres. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Jesse Metcalf, also of John Tucker Must Die. Which hasn't welcome to the podcast, John Tucker Must Die. We haven't oh. we haven't spoken about that movie. That would have been early noughties, is it? I think so. Mm. I mean, what do we think about where teen movies and rom coms kind of there's overlap in that Venn diagram, or you know, well, it's like YA rom coms, right. right? Yeah, which I think we've mentioned quite a few. It'd be on the fun podcast. to look at. Maybe we do like a high school focus next year or something. That would be fun. Yeah, let's do that. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking. I think I've mentioned Tobias Madden on the podcast before. Um, I think he falls into that. Yeah, quite a few. So, Desperate Housewives. Jesse Metcalf was also in. So he's he's a regular, and I don't know. Maybe. And pretty rare for someone who's on like a full-on soap to graduate to mainstream entertainment. It's more common than than it used to be now, though, mm. I think. It's more I don't like that to be viewed. I think this could maybe be viewed as a fall from grace, like you've ended up in the Hallmark circuit. But think about that regular gig. Like, mm. you know, like you're going to... It's never just one. You always get the call up again unless you do a really bad job. Yeah, they're normally pretty regular. So, for example, Luke McFarlane, I looked up what his movie is this year and it's Catch Me If You Claws. Um, (laughs) So that, I actually feel that might come out tomorrow in that big batch that's dropping. But I do have a most anticipated movie of the season. So to go back to the spreadsheet, um, we do highlight, like, this is a meh for me. This plot sounds amazing. We have to watch it because Luke McFarlane's in it. So we'll go through, you know, working lives and even with holiday break, we aim to try and get through at least 12-ish for the season, but that's not even scratching the surface. So we have to be quite um, particular with our qualifiers. (laughs) So what is on the spreadsheet is A Merry Scottish Christmas, which has Scott Wolf. And Lacey Shabbat, I, I don't know actually how you say her last name. So Claudia from, Claudia Salinger from Party of Five. And they was, played brother and sister on Party of Five, So right? the biggest concern I had initially with my friends is like, I will never be able to deal with them if they are romantic interests. Yeah, that's incest. And, we, and we've done an episode on that. <laughs> But no, they're playing brother and sister in this movie. So Ew. I'm okay with that. And Scott Wolf for a while there was, yeah, he was the man that was plastered all over my high school diary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm going to struggle maybe with Lacey, how their dynamic is, because I can only ever hear her say like, Bailey, Bailey, <laughs> or Bailey. Yeah, had a bit of a... Well, she was also famously 
Gretchen Wieners in of Mean course, Girls. Of course, and that's about to be the remake of that is coming out. What over the holiday break as well? It's like a musical version. Mm. Mm. We might have been listening to the same podcast about that and how they seem to be hiding the fact that it's a musical. Oh no, I've only just seen the trailer. Oh. Just trying to piece it together because it, it was on Broadway, Mean Girls the Musical, and I guess now it's come. And full that circle. Regina, um, I forget the name of that uh, actor who's playing Regina. She was the one on Broadway. So, oh. um, and the guy. Oh God, this is showing my age because we we should know all of these young stars. But he's in the. Um, the summer I turned pretty, he is in it as well. But yeah, the trailer does with, of course, young um, Angari Rice, yes. Australian actress in the lead. Yes, yes. Who's also just published a book with her mum, which is Has a she? kind of modernisation of Pride and Prejudice called Stuck Up and Stupid. Yeah. Oh my god, that's not on my radar at all. I'll have to look that up. It's YA, I think. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> our YA special. Yeah, I just thought. From the trailer, they could have put more. Maybe we watched different trailers. Maybe there's an abridged version I saw, but it wasn't super clear that it was a musical. So I only saw some commentary by someone, I think part mock outrage, but part real outraged on Instagram about the tagline of the film being not your mother's mean girls. Not your mother's mean girls. But again, genius marketing, right? Because we're talking about it. Firstly, you're making us feel super old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very antagonising marketing. I kind of respect it because how do I know that tag as well? It's amazing. Look, we will probably talk more about the Hallmark ecosystem when we do our Christmas special, considering one of my prescribed movies, Window Wonderland, is a Hallmark classic. So I might leave it there for now because we have a few other holiday. Unless you had any specific questions. Well, no, I mean, there's a movie I just Googled because I just assumed it was a Hallmark movie. But I suppose with the advent of all streaming services, there's become a bit of a proliferation of these kind of, you know, cheap and dirty Christmas movies that everyone dumps out at this time of year. And I think they're called Hallmark. Like you can use that term loosely. I mean, even if they're not on the Hallmark channel, I think it's become like a genre, like a Hallmark Christmas movie. I think, yeah, you could probably say about Christmas movies that are of a certain standard, um, well, the movie, obviously very high standard. <laughs> the movie that I'm thinking of is called Christmas Inheritance. Oh, yeah. came out 2017 and I remember looking at it going, why does this chick look so familiar? The lead actress, Eliza Taylor, mm. is Australian mm. and you probably know her best as Janae from Neighbours. Janae. <laughs> Remember when they had that Bogan family? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got a classic, I, like the, the synopsis is, before ambitious heiress Ellen Langford can inherit her father's business, she must deliver a special Christmas card to her dad's former partner in Snow Falls. Mm. That's a place called Snow Falls. When a snowstorm strands her at the town inn, she Perfect. discovers the true gift of Christmas. Which is love, joy. And also Christmas, I think. Christmas. I wanted to touch briefly on another of the holidays, which is very close to my heart, which is Thanksgiving. The Tadukan? The Tadukan <laughs> is not close to my heart. I've never actually eaten one. I appreciate the concept. Do you know, actually, Thanksgiving was massive in Felicity. I love Felicity because oh. I had curly hair. Did you, as a curly hair girl, relate to her? Oh, look, my curls have only come out fairly late. Really? Yeah, and oh. I, you have to understand, Karina, like the town where I grew up was so small, we literally had two TV channels. So Felicity was just one of the things that we did not get. 
I need to actually try and find it on a streaming service. I, I have the box sets. You're welcome to borrow oh them. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> if you have a DVD player at home. <laughs> <laughs> actually don't. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I mean, she was so beautiful. Scott Speedman or mm. Scott Foley? They were both Scots. Noah or Ben? Wow. So hot. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> ben. <laughs> so the premise of that, right, is that she had a crush on Scott Speedman and when he said where he was going to uni, she was like, I'm going to go too. Yeah. And just like stalked him there. <laughs> yeah. That's the, wow. That's the whole premise. Love it. Sorry. And, then she, and then she cut her hair off and everyone got really Yeah, mad. season two. Yeah, mm. apparently the ratings completely dipped, um, but she recovered. But also that's got a really interesting end, that um, whole series, because they wrapped it all up and then the rumour has it they found extra budget for six more episodes and so it goes into this like weird dreamlike alternate universe for like six episodes and really they should have just ended it when they ended it I think as a fan kind of what we're experienced with and just like that now you think you always want more and you know for the most part I'm happy to see the gals again but I do think of those six those last episodes of Felicity as removed from the body of work Mm -hmm. of Felicity Sorry, this is way off track. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you raise a good point that like holidays are often anchor points for these TV series that we love, right? I mean, I'm not a massive Gilmore Girls head, but I'm going to guess given the cosy nature of that show that Christmas and Thanksgiving would feature pretty heavily there. One of my favourite uh, Thanksgiving episodes of TV is from the first season of Gossip Girl and the episode is called Blair Waldorf Must Pie, I think, which is oh, going great. back to your mate John Tucker. <laughs> also um Shit's Creek I forget the name of that I think it's like Johnny's Christmas special or something <laughs> Johnny Rose's Christmas special Aww. yeah Shit's Creek that's my comfort watch I love that I think what I I experienced Thanksgiving for the first time so I had taken myself off to New York quit my job being like I'm just gonna go to New York and get a job in a magazine how hard can it be like every good protagonist of yeah, a rom-com I know I think maybe rom-coms had uh, steered me a little into dreamland there but met my husband within a few weeks of being there and so we met in October and Thanksgiving's at the end of November and I had friends you know that were doing sort of an orphan's Thanksgiving and then Dave was like do you want to come to my family Thanksgiving and I didn't want to ask because you know we hadn't known each other that long and that's kind of a big relationship step not just meeting the parents but doing like a big holiday like that like carving together is a <laughs> his um parents are separated and remarried so it was not just one Thanksgiving but two um but I said yes and it was just absolutely magical I mean I think because we've grown up with Christmas in the middle of summer but we've absorbed culturally so much of the kind of winter holiday traditions of the Northern Hemisphere. It was kind of surreal to actually see it play out in real life. Um, Was there a snowfall? No, there wasn't snow. I mean, it's pretty rare to have snow at Thanksgiving, even Christmas. It usually comes a little later, in New York anyway. I made a pavlova for the first time because I was like, I've got to take something, represent Australia. Although apparently that's... New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, you're so this right. This is the great debate. We won't get into that. This we is, won't get yeah. into it. Yeah, made a But pie. definitely not a pumpkin pie. No. Although we, I did eat pumpkin pie. Oh. Uh, yeah, took a pav, took some lavingtons and did Thanksgiving lunch and then backed up again for dinner. And it was a lot of food. But it was just 
oh, it was just so special to like to meet everyone. And the whole vibe is basically like Christmas, but there's no pressure of presents and there's no religion. It's just mm. like the feast. Mm. It's so lovely. And so often, you know, everyone is coming back home to have that family get together. It's a really special, lovely time. I think as well, Friendsgiving, because that's mm. what uh, in Felicity, it's the uh, students that don't go back home for the holidays yeah. um, and have the big dorm room dinner. Everyone contributes, sense of community, chosen family. We should introduce Thanksgiving here. Like we've gotten Halloween here now, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've done it a couple of times. Did a turkey in um, a barbecue, which worked shockingly A Weber. Well. <laughs> yeah. It's just always bad timing. The Walkleys are almost always on the last Thursday in November, which is when Thanksgiving is, so can never get the timing right. Your job. My job, <laughs> yeah. We have those, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> we don't just sit in this studio talking about rom-coms all day. I wish we... So I managed to get a Taylor Swift gag into the like opening of the script for the awards at night, so I was pretty proud about that. What was it? Oh, it's like the hosts have to like set up talking about the year in news and I was like, you know, cost of living is rising, housing affordability is dropping, you know, the the vast gap between the haves and the haves nots has never been greater. And yes, I'm talking about Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> Yeah, second round wasn't better for anyone either, was it? Oh, my God. I didn't even try. No, I didn't try. So what it is that's so special about Christmas, and I was reflecting on this because I think I talk about liking to write about other worlds and being immersed in them, and I feel like Christmas is really utopia and something that you can fully immerse yourself in and escape real life for a bit. And who doesn't want that? And I think there's been a rise of comfort watches and comfort reads post-pandemic. And I think Christmas fits squarely in that. Like, it's where I want to escape to. It's that other fully, fully dressed up, like fully immersive. Why do you think people love to read and watch Christmas texts? I think it's the coziness and the tradition. I think it's something that most people have a template for in their own life. So it's, I guess it feels accessible in that way, maybe. Nostalgic. Nostalgia for sure. And I don't think it's about having, well, depending on where, <laughs> what type of Christmas you have. But for me, I don't think it's about having to be perfect. And I think we see a lot of texts play out where there are, like it's messy, <laughs> there's messiness. There's a lot of room for imperfection oh, in the coziness. Well, I mean, I guess it's that it's families coming back together, which often brings, you know, dysfunction or resentments to the surface. So dramatically, there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, I think so many of these stories are about characters who expect or want things to be perfect and then kind of have it rubbed in their face that nothing is perfect but I love how there are so many more as these stories have become more diverse there's a lot more um, found family stories or, or the idea of choosing and making your own traditions to take into the future and not necessarily being bound by the things that haven't always worked mm. in the past mm. um, and for those that are going back to family homes <laughs> 
It's actually also a forced proximity trope, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're stuck under the roof, which is actually a really great segue to a book that you wanted to mention and chat about, I think. This has been Absolutely Lovely by Jessica Detman. Well, we've come up with lots of examples of, like, Northern Hemisphere Christmas stories, mm. and I was racking my brains trying to think of stories that do an Australian Christmas justice because I think it's so idiosyncratic and I think it's beautiful in its own way and yeah I thought of Jessica Detman's second novel this has been absolutely lovely uh and it's it has all of those things going on right it's a family grown children kind of returning to their family home over the Christmas holidays and then a lot of like family secrets resurfacing it's it's pretty dramatic for a rom-com mm. story yeah you know there's there's new life I think a baby is born uh, much earlier than I was expecting in the book and I think it really looks a lot at sort of the matriarch of that family and you know I think she's reached, reached this point where her children are grown and I think she thought she finally would have her life back to kind of chase some of the creative ambitions that she had as a younger woman and put on hold for her family and then suddenly everyone comes back to her wanting more care and with you know wanting her to provide childcare as well. I think Jess looked at some really interesting stuff in that book. Yeah, I agree. And Jess has an interesting little tidbit in her bio that <laughs> lends itself well to this episode, Claire. She actually played the Christmas angel at Sydney Town Hall. And I remember her talking about this. I should have researched it a little bit more. But she was basically on a balcony wearing a, like a dress that hung down about yeah. 10 metres or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say she definitely mentions the meterage because I was picturing like it would have to be pretty long for it to touch like the floor yeah massive I haven't seen any photos of this maybe we can ask her and pop one up yeah if you're <laughs> listening Jess mm. send pics other Christmas and look we will have to circle back to the northern hemisphere Christmas because even even when I was in the city yesterday um and it's starting to st- to feel like Christmas um, around. I think mainly it's the shops <laughs> and the the windows. Mm. And so even without the snowfall, just Christmas windows in the Northern Hemisphere are amazing. So for lots of reasons, I want to continue talking about the Northern Hemisphere. But because we were specifically thinking about how the sun, Southern Hemisphere is incorporated into these Christmas books or movies. We thought about Jones's Family Christmas, which is coming out on stand, so it's another Australian Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, that's coming out, so it'll be out by the time this podcast is released. Coming out on stand. I just rem- the po- the trailer like popped up in my Instagram feed after we were planning this episode out a couple of weeks ago. Heather Mitchell is in it. I think it's that classic thing of like you know, the, the family all returning home for Christmas and it's in the bush and then they've got the added drama of bushfires. Um, mm. Which is very Christmassy for us, right? Like Yikes, yes. The smell of that just does that you think of Christmas time. I watched Christmas on the Farm a couple of years ago. Is it the, the Hugh Sheridan one? Yeah, it's Hugh Sheridan. Yeah. Um, so it's about a New York... A socialite who fakes her identity to get a book published um, and then has to rush back to her deceased mother's farm and kind of pretend that she knows anything about 
uh, the Australian way of country life, the Australian country way of life. <laughs> um, yeah, not a bad watch, not a bad watch at all. Um, and very Australian, obviously, because they're on property and hijinks and sue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure someone prissy falls down on their face in the mud. Mm. Are we going to talk about all of the regulars, the holiday? We know how much I love that. That's what I watch. That's love. what I watch when I'm rapping. That's my rapping movie. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love the holiday. Love actually, again, we've spoken about that so many times. So problematic, uh, but still. Still, we'll probably watch that. Gets me in the mood. Yeah. Uh, as with so many types of love stories and rom-coms, we've seen some welcome diversity in the last few years. I just started watching Single All The Way, which is a Christmas movie in that very kind of classic spirit, but it's about guys who are gay. Mm. Uh, so you got like the sweet guy who goes home to his family for Christmas and they're always like, why are you still single? You're such a great guy. And they're always trying to set him up with people. So he gets his like housemate and friend to come with him and they're going to pretend that they've finally got together just to get his family off his back but then that falls apart pretty quickly and then he gets introduced to a babe by his mum who's set him up on a blind date haven't actually got to the end of that one yet oh so. I think it's our friends to lovers in the end I'm pretty sure but yeah maybe I forget I get the vibe that's where it's going mm. which is weird because the chemistry was actually really good with mm. the but I actually love that because it takes a bit of the predictability out of it right like mm. you're just not sure which one is it going to be Oh, yeah, no, that's good. And that's not always easy to pull off. Mm. It does have good old Jennifer Coolidge in there. Definitely not one of her more subtle roles. <laughs> I don't think she can be subtle anymore, right? Especially after White Lotus, that's not subtle at all. Well, this makes White Lotus look restrained. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. I can't remember. I think she's mainly there. They probably just got her to shoot it in about two days. Mm. Her role is just as this, like, eccentric aunt who runs a, like, Christmas concert. And so it's just her, like, shouting abuse at children. And the other one you watched recently, which was also a queer storyline, was Happiest Season. Did you watch that? with um, Yeah. Chris? Yeah. Yeah. And I just Googled when it came out because I would have thought it was longer ago. Um, so Happiest Season is another queer rom-com about um, a couple of women who go back to Harper's family for Christmas uh, and on the way... Harper, plays by Mackenzie Davis, tells Kristen Stewart, her girlfriend, that um, she's not actually out to her family. So Kristen Stewart can pretend to be her friend and roommate instead. How fun. How fun. If this is the happiest season, I would really hate to see a sad season because this movie was bleak. It was so depressing. (laughs) Oh, I got confused before because I was saying to you, oh, no, happy season is happy and single all the way. It's the other way around in my head. I always, for some reason, I get the names of of the movies mixed up. I mean, there's so many. (laughs) It's just one cliche after another. (laughs) There's so many Christmas puns at this time. It's just even with my favourite hallmarks, like I I find it really difficult to tell you the titles of them because they're just hard and fast. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I mean, I had looked... I had always wanted to watch this movie. I mean, you know. I saw it at the cinema. Hot queer girls kissing each other, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I don't know. I, I, I understand where it's coming from and I guess this is why so many, you know, queer audiences are just done with these kind of narratives because it was really hard to watch someone, um, you know, struggling to be honest with their family. It was hard to watch, you know, this conservative family that was very focused on 
perfection and there was sort of a, a political plot line where the dad was running for some office and was trying to raise money from conservative people. Oh, that's people. right. I remember that. When these subplots get a bit too convoluted as well. You know, it, the, it wasn't very funny. Like the biggest running joke was the mum like taking photos on an iPad and, you know, you can see why I thought it must have come out earlier than 2020. Mm. But I, th- I guess the other the, – the biggest – laugh of the movie is that like no one picks up that Kristen Stewart is a lesbian when <laughs> like you have they never seen one before she's at like a party wearing a blazer and a fucking undercut like I remember enjoying it but I haven't seen it since I saw it at the movies um and if you're saying it came out at 2020 I would think that I was just happy to be at the movies <laughs> that's <laughs> like true. in a in a break between lockdowns like quickly let's go to the movies saving grace was of course Dan Levy who plays um supportive friend oh uh, actually that was probably my motivator for going because um I was heavily into Shit's Creek during lockdown periods so I probably was like more Dan Levy let's go yeah no and I think he got sort of the best he got the the nicest moment of this this movie mm. yeah not a feel good one. Also on the the list here is Holiday, and I uh, we know how I feel about this movie. So let's skip. Can, no, I want to understand why you hate it so much. I haven't seen it. Give me the. There's give me the literally top notes. no redeeming qualities about that hero. It quotes quotes. He is just a misogynistic, chauvinistic. He's just gross. Like. I'd have to relook up the plot points of the movie, but that's the overall feel, feeling. It wasn't just... And is that the plot? Like, is it an enemies to lovers kind of thing? Or... Yes, I think so. Wait, give me... Is he playing an Australian? That probably contributes it. He's not... Yeah, he doesn't have a fake American accent on, and I think it's like the whole Aussie thing. I also felt... Reflects badly on yes, us. Yes, I get really protective, like... Yeah. We do have some good men here and, I mean, yet to find one, but <laughs> like, he's not it. I mean, I'm sure the actor. Well, he did that. He did the um, Audible story that we both enjoyed. Yeah, and he's in Unreal, which I love, which is the behind the scenes, um, like, Bachelor type show. Luke Bracey, he's from Wollongong, actually. I do know someone that knew him. Uh, <laughs> I have to say I kind of picture Dr. Marcus in Never Ever Forever. As, as Dr. Chris Brown? Yeah, awesome. Chris, or I could also see a Bracey in that role. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, made him brunette just so that was no confusion. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you don't want to, like, infringe on no. a celebrity vet. I wanted to quickly chat about two Christmas series. <laughs> What's better than a movie? A series because mm-hmm. it, you can sit on the couch and marathon it, you know, when you're hungover during the festive period, um, which I think is how I viewed both of these series. But one is Dash and Lily, which is on Netflix. Um, and I have literally just found out by Google that it is a YA series. Um, I don't read a lot of YA. We actually obviously were just talking about the fact that we might want to do an episode on that. So I might look at the series because it's a romantic comedy series, but it's so feel good and it's so well produced. It's about two teenagers in New York. Um, One of them works in a bookshop and they start trading messages in different locations around New York City. And 
yeah, like what's not to love about that? That sounds adorable. Yeah, it's so adorable. I've actually not spoken to anyone that hasn't enjoyed that when I've recommended it. Um, it's eight episodes, so that's also a decent innings. Um, Manageable. Yeah. And then the other one is a Norwegian series. So, Claire, I don't know, are you big on foreign films or foreign... Like, how cultured are you? <laughs> I mean, we watch everything with subtitles now because we're paranoid about waking up mm. Dorothy. Mm. Um, and also, is that just part of getting old where you can no longer hear dialogue on television? Or I don't like it because I read ahead, so I don't do it unless I have mm. to because then I find that I take myself out of the moment. But I, if I'm watching a foreign film or series, I can't handle the English dubbing. Oh, I hate dubbing. So when I commit to something, I know I'm committing to using my eyes <laughs> more than they used to be worked when I'm watching TV. This I don't watch as many foreign films as I would like, but I always enjoy them when I do. So my strategy for a plane, I think I mentioned last potty potentially, is either to watch rom-coms that are just like baked into my blood because I've seen them that many times. <laughs> Or to watch foreign films because eventually I get the heavy lids from like trying to read the subtitles. So I get through a lot of foreign films on movies. And then, you know, anything that you watch in the air, you're like, have I seen that? Was that a dream? What was what? What was that mirage? Um, I don't think I can watch a movie on a plane without crying. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Everything makes me cry on a plane. I think there's studies in that, like Mm. something to do with the air pressure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this Norwegian Christmas series, Home for Christmas, is. So delightful. There's two seasons and as is often the case, the second season isn't as good because it's definitely a a feeling of like you've discovered this one. So yeah, yeah, I was really hanging out for the second season. But basically it's about a main character, Joanne. She's a nurse and she goes back to her small town um, in Norway for an advent dinner, which is another whole thing. And, you know, she's in her 30s. She's feeling a certain type of way about returning home for yet another year without a partner and she lies. (laughs) She tells him she has a boyfriend uh, and that he will come with her to Christmas dinner. So between Advent dinner and the Christmas dinner and she's still at home for the festive period, she has to date. So she goes on all these dates. I can't remember if it's like one date per episode, but she's, yeah, she's certainly like a flea baggy type character. Uh And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's great. And really upset that I don't think there's going to be a third season because yeah, it was 2019 and 2020 in a row. And so I think they would have done it by now. I follow the actress on Instagram now as well. And very quirky. Are there hotties in it? I feel like, yeah, yeah. I love a Scandinavian. Yeah. And there's, um, for her to get around the town, she has this, like, little sled thing. She's going to say, are there reindeers in this? Yeah, she leaves a sled outside, like, a pub and gets, like, really drunk on dates. Like, it's it's so good. That's fun. Yeah, my friend um, who lives in Berlin and I were watching it at the same time. And that's always – I think there's something really communal, which is why my friends and I watch our Hallmarks together. Yeah, it's a coming together of the season. It's – yeah, it's really special. So I – Happily, we'll watch it with you if you want to just Okay, watch it. nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to record some live reactions watching um, the ones that we're doing yeah, together. Yeah, I'm definitely going to – I didn't re-watch that last year, so I will re-watch that um, this year. Books? Well, just while you're on series, oh, yes. I also um, was 
remiss of me not to mention when we were talking about Australian Christmas stories, Moody Christmas, mm. which came out a few years ago. I haven't seen. Isn't that terrible? I've watched some episodes, but I didn't. I haven't completed it. One season, 2012. It seems to share a lot of DNA with Colin from Accounts, which we haven't actually talked about here yet, but I thought maybe in our a summer reading special we might recommend some rom-com series there I are haven't some watched Colin from Accounts is that homework for oh, me yeah I haven't watched it Get I haven't watched it. Ted Lasso either start with Colin mm. I mean Ted's good I don't know I still haven't got through the third season I feel like it's dropped off a bit but yeah the Moody's is good I've actually heard as well for some reason I'm aware that it gets taken put on and taken off streaming services quite regularly so often it's really hard to find at Christmas time and there was at one point I saw a petition for like leave moody Christmas alone (laughs) we need access (laughs) I don't know why especially why am I so invested in something I haven't even seen but I am vaguely aware of that well that movement they must have overcorrected because it seems to be on Stan Netflix and binge oh yeah I think there's a couple of versions as well right that's what I thought Mm. Anyway, we should look into that more. I wanted to quickly touch on a couple of novels. We'll just mention a few, really. We will be reading our One Day in December as a group, Mm -hmm. as a collective. Um, But some other Christmas faves, Christmas Shopaholic. I mean, Shopaholic series by Sophie Kinsella is one of the reasons probably why I started writing. I've still never read any of those or seen the movie. I'm not sure that Sophie Kinsella... I'm not sure if Shopaholic in particular would date that well, but it's definitely a Bridget Jonesy type read mm-hmm. about a girl with a shopping addiction. I'm sure you couldn't <laughs> discern that from the title. I've gone back to some like classic Marion Keys at the moment and I feel like it would be a similar vibe. Like mm. there's a lot of like lusting after labels and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean Shopaholic, there's a whole series, Shopaholic and Baby, Christmas Shopaholic. So I mean I think you can read that as a standalone. Uh, Inner Holidays, so have not read that one, but it's Christina Lauren. I think I, it definitely starts at Christmas Eve. I started it and then put it down, not because it was bad, just for other reasons. So I have that at home and in our quest or in my quest to read as many Christina Lauren books before they come to the Romance Writers Conference next year, I will give that one a read over the Christmas period. And then there's a couple of Australian novellas from some of our... Oh, yes, The yeah. Country Vet Christmas. Mm, which is out this year. That's the, the That's new the one. most recent yeah. one. I think it's just come out. Um, we've got some lovely friends that have contributed to that one. So it's sort of a, a compendium or a collection of shorter stories. Bit of a rural romance kind of connection on those. So obviously um, our lovely friend Penelope Janu is in there, Pam Cook. And they just did like a little... Australia road trip like (laughs) they went around the central west in Pam's gorgeous little caravan and yeah I I was so enjoying their social content from that I think we're thinking about copying that aren't we (laughs) we are thinking about copying that stay tuned for a rom-com pod on the road um Lily Malone and then actually Pen Janu loves a Christmas novella um she normally anthology that's the word Anthology. anthology yeah she normally has like a new release of a full length book around this yeah it's actually a bit earlier this year it's Mm. coming out um so it will be out already by the time this airs um it's got the same release date as never ever forever so um i haven't seen anything about her launch yeah um have to look out for that so 
Yeah, it makes sense that she kind of clusters um, around this time of year. But yeah, I think her novella, which came out a few years ago, was The Six Rules of Christmas, which I did read and was great. And I think that's now in an anthology as well with some other stories, um, Our Country Christmas, which is out through Harlequin, which is their publisher. Really quickly, I know we have been talking about Christmas holiday text for a while. I was also made aware of The Fabric of Christmas on Stan, which is a new release movie, which was written by an Australian um, author, Sarah Mayberry. And she writes Mills and Boons, I think. She's quite prolific, written quite a few can recommend that. I watched that the other night. Is it an Australian setting or? It's not an Australian setting. So yeah, you wouldn't know unless, so it was Love on Campus podcast that put this on my radar. And of course, I think, well, it's anyone who loves Christmas movies, it's still my dream to write one one day. And there's books. You do a great Christmas story. There's some ideas, you know, put it on the list. There's ideas, there's books you can get on Amazon, like write a Christmas movie 101. So Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. I have to say I've got some ideas bubbling away. Ever since that woman came up to me at Storyfest and was like, I love your book, Five Bush Christmas List. <laughs> oh, that would be perfect. It's, uh, it's taken root a little bit. Oh. That might be the end of the series. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm. Also, um, the books that you probably are more likely to reread, like if you buy something at Christmas, because you, you're more likely like one day in December, if that wasn't a Christmas book, I don't know that I would pick that up again. Mm. Like, yeah, so it's also great for the retention and the reread. Well, I suppose it becomes a tradition, doesn't it? Yeah. And they're the things that you work back in. Like when we would do Christmas with Dave's family, we'd always watch It's a Wonderful Life, which is a lovely Christmas movie. I don't know that you'd call it a rom-com, but a classic. Yeah. I don't love that movie. That's It's so funny how you have these, like, personal responses. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. was also drinking, like, a pitcher of Manhattans <laughs> at the time, so that would make any movie more enjoyable. I was going to say, well, The Fabric of Christmas, because it was the first movie of the year, I, pulled a, I poured a big glass of red and just I thoroughly enjoyed that about a hot guy <laughs> that has to learn how to quilt for Christmas um, to honour the memory of his recently passed mother, of giving a Christmas quilt at a wedding. And so his sister's getting married and the Christmas quilt giving tradition at the wedding has to continue. <laughs> I love how convoluted these movies yeah. get to like have to break new ground. Yeah. He's also a firefighter. So one of the most delightful parts of it was uh, when he's having his quilt lessons with, you know, don't want to spoiler, but the love interest, he keeps blowing out her candles because she can't be trusted to have a naked flame like <laughs> around his fabric um I just every time he blew out a Christmas candle I was like oh the firefighters bothered by that naked flame how fun (laughs) just details like that but um through that I found an Instagram account called Christmas Movie Reviews we'll link it in the show notes and they've done a great job of ranking uh, Christmas movies you get like a good overview obviously of the plot you can get that online um a brief ranking so I guess a more public spreadsheet, but with a bit of snark as well. So for this movie, which I loved and enjoyed, the snark was around how quickly that quilt was produced by an amateur (laughs) within, it was a four day period, only a couple of lessons. Um, And so, you know, you've got to suspend your (laughs) belief in a lot of these things. 
And then one other quick shout out was to another Instagram account, Deck the Shelves, um, which is run by Kathleen, who's one third of the Love on Campus um, trio podcast. Um, and she studies, she's an academic in Christmas movies and Christmas. Wow. You get recommendations there and just a good time, I think, um, around Christmas baking and <laughs> the Christmas spirit. Claire, this was yours. <laughs> Thanks. That's the sound of the wheels of the bus <laughs> bumping over my lifeless body. Falling off. Oh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's not. It's actually November for us, so we have no excuse. <laughs> oh, I thought it would be fun to talk about romance in real estate in romance, I should say. No, I love the heading for this and I'm very I'm I'm on board. It's a bit of a loose concept. Let's see if we can um, draw it together in any kind of satisfying way. Uh, But I'm thinking about these gorgeous interior and living arrangements that just do not compute in the financial constraints of the real world. So when you moved to New York looking unemployed and looking for your job, did you move straight into a brownstone in the upper (laughs) side? (laughs) It's so funny, like I thought the Upper East Side was like the place to be. So when I went over the first time, I had like booked this. It wasn't a hotel. It was like an apartment block where they rented out. Did Gossip Girl teach you that? Yes, exactly. I I was basically on the Gossip Girl tour of New York. I was there drinking by myself at a bar in Grand Central. (laughs) Just hanging on the Met steps. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. To to sit down on lower steps. Tights are not pants. (laughs) Yes, so obviously after that trip I learned that you're much better off to be downtown. When I first landed I was straight on the couch with my good friend Pi and while I was finding a place and I think I found on Craigslist, God, I'm showing my age, uh, a spare room in a flat in Williamsburg. And actually it was a really interesting time because the girl that owned, well she didn't own it but I was subletting from this chick, Eula. She was a musician. She was learning to play the accordion. So she would just be like practicing. It was like living in Amelie, looking out my window. Oh my gosh. So you were in a movie, just a different one. Yeah, it just wasn't Sex and the City. (laughs) So it wasn't a Nancy Meyer set? It was not a Nancy Meyer set, no. We should actually also link, um, I follow some great Nancy Meyer's interior accounts on Instagram. Do you follow any of those? Like I follow Nancy Myers. Oh, yeah. Well, she could probably do a good job. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the writer's salary not matching up. Like we're, we're saying the, you know, the, yeah, the, the guidance counsellor, the, whatever the job is, not matching up. Um, right. Carrie Bradshaw, even if she was in a rent-controlled apartment, was mm-hmm. not earning enough money to... Well, I guess that if she had a rent-controlled apartment, she could make it work. Oh, well, not with those outgoings, those Manalos. <laughs> the wardrobe. <laughs> That's, um, but the Nancy Myers homes, especially the kitchens. Mm. So, I mean, the holiday. I, I have Not to really dis- kitchens in that one. I'm going to disagree with that one. Oh, yeah? Let's have a debate. The cottage? Yeah, because 
one of the things... Did you just go to the cottage? Yeah, I'd, so, again, let's reference my trip. <laughs> um, anything reference tax deduction, you know. Um, I was actually quite shocked about the affordability. I don't know if because of the cost of living right now, everything is just thrown off, but mm. I didn't think that they, they were quite affordable. And if she works um, for the paper... Like, she's a journalist, right? Like, we're talking about Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Cameron Diaz is sorted because she she owns her own movie trailer company. Oh, yeah, she cuts trailers in LA. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I was looking up, you know, as you do, you start to get invested and look at the real estate (laughs) windows. Yeah, 400,000-ish pounds. I think it really depends on the size of the village um, and the amenities. But, yeah, with that you get definitely a couple of squirrels in the roof. <laughs> but I think – I th- actually don't think that one was too unbelievable. It's more the New York lofts. that They get me. They get yeah. me real good. And I put on these notes here, the unrealistic breakfast bread, because <gasps> they have these, like – it's not just the kitchen. It's like when we're seeing them rush out the door, there's piles of pan- – stacks of pancakes. There's like the jug of orange juice. Yes, yeah, three different Meryl, uh, maple syrups. It's like I was going to throw three different Meryl Streets in the kitchen. <laughs> Meryl like, Street probably made the pancakes. These groceries are five hundred dollars, and they eat a one piece of toast as they walk right, out the door. Away. I think it actually became like a running joke in Gossip Girl that they were always like putting on these breakfast spreads that no one was eating, like oh, as a way to, to try to manufacture family unity. But oh, we might have to look up an article because I'm, yeah, I, it's always bothered me. I didn't know that that was a thing. But, it, yeah, of, of course it's a thing. I wonder where that started, though. I mean, it's it, you're right. It's such a, like, any, particularly 90s. I guess it's that sense of abundance. Abundance, yeah. But it would always be in, like, a middle-class setting. It's, it's like a father of the bright – well, I guess that's Nancy Myers too, Well, that Nancy Myers, like, that is an abundant set, right? Like, yeah. so it's the crammed lamps. And this is – Obviously, Friends is not Nancy Myers, but I also think of the Friends apartments. That one's probably more the convenience of having, like, the two apartments, <laughs> like, all your friends living together. But, you know, Monica, Monica's apartment, I mean, what, she's an up-and-coming cook. You know, obviously, the course of the season, you know, her business did better, worse, whatever. But initially, like, those apartments, is the West Village. I mean, mm. again, I just stopped by that block. Um, and that to me, the math ain't mathing. <laughs> what about, um, well, Kathleen Kelly as well. Her house was beautiful. Oh yeah. Running that bookshop that was going under. Yeah. Like remortgage the house and save the bookshop. Was that even up for discussion? <laughs> it might've been. I should revisit it before making that call. She, there could be a call to the bank in that movie and I've forgotten. Or an email, sorry, to the bank. <laughs> it's a it's a different equation, but um, when you talk about like the real estate question after a breakup, I think mm. you and I have both just read um, Dolly Alderton's mm. new novel, and I found that so hilarious the passage where Andy obviously has to move out and he stays with his mum for a while, and then ends up renting a boat on the canal as Two a place nights. to live. <laughs> he thinks it's the solution to all his problems, and yeah, the boat itself is incredibly unpleasant to live on like I think when he moves his stuff in he's like kind of goes out for a walk and the the most enjoyable part of the whole experience for him is telling people that he is living on a boat on the canal the reality of it is not nice again 
not to harp on about my trip, but I love that bit in particular because I had just walked the canals and thought, <laughs> who would live on those boats? <laughs> and I went to the canal specifically because I knew that Dolly spent a lot of time in Camden and on the high-low. She has that story about Geppetto, the cat, like, oh, yes. and not ever knowing who Geppetto was and if, who owned Geppetto, but just the echoes from the canal. Yes. So when I was walking there, and so I now obviously knowing Dolly's background, why she put that in the story. Like, I just love that. Shelf love. So I think we both had, we were fighting for the same book (laughs) this time, which I'm sure maybe by this episode airs, a lot of our listeners might have picked up already. But it is Good Material, the latest fiction book by our beloved Dolly Alderton. How did it stack up for you, Claire? I loved it. I loved it too. I had told myself I was going to hold out and read the paper version. So they dropped the audio first. The audio Um, came out early. Yeah, so I messaged Claire and I was like, oh my gosh, it's early. And then you said... Oh, uh, you know, I know that you're not a huge audiobook person. No, I've been converted. I've been doing it a lot more, and especially now that Spotify has the 15 hours a month. And I still... We're not promoting that, Claire. Well, no, because we don't know how it goes to authors. I'm just assuming as a digital marketer that this is just... They're going to gate it. So this is us awareness, and we're getting early adopters on board, and, we're, and then they'll work out how to monetize that so basically authors are not getting paid for audiobooks so i would never listen to an australian author's book on there i also listen to dolly alderson on spotify Mm. 15 hours a month you get so it's good to spend it with you know the bigger names right i did britney on there also i had already pre-ordered good material so i knew that was coming like in physical form and i think when i looked at the physical book and after having read or listened to the book I think it's great in audio format. What oh, do you think? Yeah, no, I thought the the guy who read it was fantastic. Did you see my – I did a social post, just a story about I couldn't handle his fuck. <laughs> just because of his accent every yeah. time he said, the fucking fuck. I think it was nice to hear it read by a man. I mean, we haven't really talked much about the premise of the book. Sorry, but essentially it, it picks up after a breakup of a four-year relationship between Andy and Jen – we're getting the Andy side of the story basically and he doesn't he doesn't know why Jen broke up with him it's a mystery to him um, and so the story is kind of told completely from Andy's perspective partly in the present day and then we're getting flash flashbacks um, to kind of the beginning of their relationship and how things progressed and I found again I'd really like to read it because I feel like with Dolly there's so many gems at a sentence level but I could feel a lot of – it just felt like Dolly's voice kind yeah. of thing. Like as much as I think she did a really great job of getting into a male point of view, hearing it read by a man really helped me get there, whereas I feel like if I were reading it, I might not suspend disbelief quite as well and might even picture Dolly telling mm. me that story. I agree. And she's spoken about how, you know, this was a bit of a risk, even with her publishers when she pitched it, that she wanted to do this male perspective book. And then in the acknowledgements, which I will say are not included in the audio, so I was glad I had the physical copy because I love reading acknowledgements, she interviewed six male friends to make sure that Mm -hmm. she got the voice, you know, as accurate or as realistic as possible. And 
not being identifying as male myself, I feel like she got it right. <laughs> but it will be interesting to. I'd love to get a man's perspective because yeah, yeah. it felt very authentic. Maybe you to can me. get Dave to read it, and then yeah, we can that's find a good out. idea. I didn't feel like there was just enough scratch in my balls that <laughs> like not too much. Um, oh, actually, the word that got me the way he read it was bold. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He said bold instead I of actu- bold. I actually say that anyway. It's one of my little speech things. <laughs> like, Oh, I thought maybe that's the posh way to say it. Maybe I'm just outing myself no, as a No, no, I don't think so. I think that's how we would typically say it. But I hope this isn't a spoiler to say, but it. when I looked at the audio book, it's clear that there are two narrators. Mm. And so you have the listing. I think it's Arthur Darville is the the male actor that reads Andy's. Uh, and then there's a listing for Vanessa Kirby, who played gorgeous Princess Margaret in The Crown, as well as many other roles. And I think she was actually at school with Dolly, I remember hearing her say in an oh, interview. Oh, really? They, they know each oh, other. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. So having seen that, I knew that at some point a woman's perspective was going to kick in, assuming that it was Jen. And so it kind of put me on edge expecting that kind of Fleischman is in trouble kind of POV shift. I had the exact same thought and I was waiting for the exact same thing. (laughs) And then, you know, you can see your listening time and I was like, when are we getting her? Yeah. Because at first I thought she might be the um, flashbacks or, but no, that was still voiced by him. So, yeah, I will say I found, I mean, Dolly's writing is incredibly engaging, so engaging but I, if I had any criticism and it would be picking this apart, I didn't really learn anything new from the female perspective at the end. And I, I question whether or not it was even needed, which, again, is testament to her because I already, I mean, as the reader, um, she had already given me all of the clues and the information to work out kind of what had really gone on in this relationship. Yeah. So essentially you get basically one chapter at the end where it switches to Jen's point of view I really enjoyed it I thought she did a beautiful job telling that story and I thought it was really moving but because I also it was a lot of information condensed even though yeah. we had heard like it touched on it was really introducing like a whole character a whole new character yeah, yeah. it had a lot of work to do and she did it well and it certainly felt that there was a lot of kind of deep feeling behind it for Dolly I think there are probably some parallels to her own experiences in life but I agree with you that I don't think the story needed it Mm. I I think it's great but I think she probably could have ended it just with Andy and yeah have a little faith in the reader to draw those those same conclusions yeah but loved it and I think it's because it's something different like I haven't read something you know like that before um which is hard and Definitely preferred it over Ghost, which is her first fiction novel, which I loved as well. But um, this to me was a favourite. And yeah, she has that balance of funny, relatable. She just understands human relationships. Perfect for anyone who has been through a breakup, which is most people, unfortunately. Yeah. You could see yourself in on all the pages. Yeah, I think. And I guess this idea of heartbreak and breakups as a kind of grief that isn't super well represented in our culture. I know I'm a huge fan of Jesse Stevens' um, first book, which was the nonfiction Heartsick, and I know that was something that she really wanted to dive into, just this brutal pain and grief after a relationship ends and there's not 
there's not a huge canon mm. of um, literature about that. Yeah, it's funny. I got exactly the same feeling of just, yeah, that nice feeling of feeling you're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is also what I felt. Yeah, you're right. I actually didn't even think about Heartsick, but you're right. Something else that I've read lately, there's so many great books coming out at the moment, but this is by a listener of the podcast, Michelle Upton. Her second book, Emergency Exit Only, uh, came out the same date as Never Ever Forever, I think, Karina, yeah, right at the yeah. end of November. I think this is probably a really great summer read and it's got a real strong Queensland setting but also kind of brings that 2000s rom-com sort of vibe. Which we're always chasing. Always chasing. I mean, I think what really um, evoked that for me is... Uh, so the story follows Amelia Harris, who's someone who is, really doesn't want to take risks. She's very into routine. She's very into keeping things safe. She's worked in the same office job for a really long time. And one day she just snaps and um, makes a bit of a speech and runs out the emergency exit only door, which she's been looking at longingly for a while and finally goes through it and then she kind of decides to reinvent herself and doesn't really know what she wants to do so she hatches this idea that she's going to basically do work experience as an adult oh cool and is that very internship the internship you know that movie google maybe Mm. but this is very much just like i'm going to spend two weeks trying this and she tries you know floristry working in a zoo teaching which is a really interesting concept. I think that would actually be kind of a great service to offer people who are thinking about career changes. Also sounds like a good movie because I can see that like on screen, like yeah. the different careers. So sort of the connective tissue of the story is that um, Amelia has a good friend who's a journalist at a women's magazine uh, and the editor of that magazine is very much in that 2000s rom-com kind of like, you know, very glamorous and enigmatic and a winter vibe. Oh, though she's not women's mags. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never seen a magazine like this in Brisbane. This whole book is set in Queensland, which I loved. Um, but, yeah, so this kind of amazing editor just really takes a shine to Amelia and Amelia decides to pitch writing stories about her experience and... Yeah, the story kind of takes off from there. There's some romance in there. There's lots of, like, hijinks and and laughs. But there is also a kind of darker thread running underneath it as Amelia sort of unpicks some stuff about her family history that, you know, maybe impacts how she sees the world and how she's been acting. So, Mm. yeah, there's a lot going on in that one. I definitely will pick that up, especially considering Michelle and I are shelfie buddies. Um, (laughs) And I know that her first book, uh, Terms of Inheritance, was really well received. Um, So that's another one that I will be adding to my reading pile, which is getting a little bit... (laughs) Out of control? Yeah. So I'm reading You Again at the moment, which is a US rom-com that I picked up. From the Ripping Bodice uh, in Brooklyn um, by Kate Goldbeck. It's a debut. And it's got a very similar probably 90s romantic comedy vibe. I think it's loosely a retelling of When Harry Met Sally, but it's about a commitment phobe um, and a hopeless romantic who continue to clash over and over until, you know, something starts to develop. It's a really quick read but also a very smart rom-com. I would say I'm probably reading that one for research purposes <laughs> um, as well as enjoyment. Um, and then I'm looking forward to also picking up The Italian Marriage by Jenna Lo Bianco. She's a debut out with Pam McMillan, actually December 27, so two weeks after this drops. 
and I've heard only the best things. So I will definitely be back on mic to let you know how I enjoyed that one. Perfect pairings, which it's not today. (laughs) I think we've been in your ears long enough today and we've given you a lot of recommendations. So we're going to skip perfect pairings this week, but we would love you to send us your requests for gift ideas or for the perfect pairing for the summer holiday that you're planning. So please shoot us a DM, send us a voice note, whatever you like. Just let us know. Yeah, the kind of recommendations that you're looking for and we will deliver in so we our could next few reps. All be Christmas elves <laughs> looking for a gift. Female, age 20. <laughs> <laughs> Likes to swim at the beach. That's it. Yeah, we're done. We go from there. From here. We go to drinks. <laughs> we go to drinks. So we will link to all of the books and movies we mentioned in the show notes. Um, yeah. Sign up to our Substack, and Claire works really hard at that. So please yeah. sign up. And you will get all of the little random tangents and the lowdown from the show straight to your inbox. Especially you might need that for your homework links, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, and we will let you know when we drop a new episode via our Substack too. Follow us on Instagram at that romcom pod. Um, definitely DM us, especially all things homework, Christmas homework. We are very interested to hear Every little thought um, about candles that should or should not be blown out, etc. Um, Christmas cocktails. I think we're going to need to have a nice drink when we record our Christmas special. Oh, yeah. So if you've got a hot tip, and otherwise can... it'll just be the leftover rum from the rumbles and that gets no, a bit dark. No, no. We're going to do some ASMR, I think, and clinking of the... Oh, you said yeah, the candy cane. The candy cane, Grim. yeah. Okay. A clink, clink, clink of the candy cane. Maybe, maybe Dave will make some eggnog. That's always a big production in our house. So fun. Rate and review us. Um, we've got a couple of new reviews I saw, Claire. Oh. Yeah, really delightful. It's so fun being here, but it's even funner to he- know that you love us. <laughs> so keep it up and we may just be back for season two. We'll see how we go. Bye. Bye. Bye.